that was what was missing from the coaching space. There's so many books that are written for coaches and none for the clients. And so what we want to create is this ability for our clients not to come in cold to an experience if they've never been coached before. You are an amazing human being. You're a coach or expert who works hard to make a positive difference for your clients. I'm Joss Willard, and my mission is to help good coaches like you make great profits so you can live an amazing life helping the people you're meant to serve. This podcast is here to help with that. We'll be bringing you the information, resources, experts, and perspectives to allow your practice to make a difference, support the life you want, and reward you fairly and well for the impact that you bring. Welcome to Profit for Coaches. It's very rare, folks, that you come across something that you think is going to fundamentally change and improve your industry. And I came across that relatively recently. It is a book called How to Get the Most Out of Coaching, A Client's Guide to Optimizing the Coaching Experience. And I ran into this book when a mutual friend introduced me to the author. And I think if you're a coach and you're in a coaching practice, you want to take a look at this book. You may want to give a copy of it or excerpts from it to every client that you bring on from now into the future. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But it was such a fantastic book that decided I absolutely had to get the author or one of the authors, Karen Davis, on the show. And so that's what we're doing today. We're talking with Karen Davis. And really quickly, Karen Davis is an executive coach. She's an author. She's a speaker. She spent 25 years in leadership roles in the business-to-business technology and services space, which not the coaching world. She decided it was time to change her life, and she did so. She decided that she wanted to focus on serving and guiding the transformations of others and decided to become a professionally certified coach. She went through the International Coaching Federation to do that, and she's been coaching, consulting, and facilitating leadership workshops for organizations and small businesses since 2008 now. And she's, like her clients have run the gamut from the independent executive coach, small business owner, to the big boys and girls like Cisco Systems, Hewlett-Packard, Medtronic, Pfizer, etc. She's run that whole spectrum. Today, she focuses primarily on one-on-one deep coaching with high-performance executives, entrepreneurs, and executive coaches who are, in her words, committed to their success, ready to uncover their hidden potential, and make their own unique difference in the world. Karen is the co-author of three different books, When All Boats Rise, 12 Coaches on Service as the Heart of the Thriving Practice, Unconventional Wisdom, Stories Beyond the Mind to Awaken the Heart, and the book we're going to talk about today, which is the one that I'm really excited about, How to Get the Most Out of Coaching, A Client's Guide for Optimizing the Coaching Experience. It's a great conversation. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Buckle up, guys. This is a great episode. Real quick, before we get started, I want to make sure that the time you invest here is profitable. And the best way to do that is to make sure you grab a copy of the free ebook, The Four Must-Haves for a Profitable Coaching Practice. It's absolutely free. It's worth every penny. It outlines the four areas that every profitable coaching practice on the planet has in common. And thus, they're the four things that you must have nailed down in your coaching practice if you want it to be consistently profitable. So if you want an easy to understand, very specific tool that makes it crystal clear where to be focusing your attention in your practice and what you can safely ignore to ensure that your practice is consistently profitable and supports the life that you want to be living, go to ProfitForCoaches.com and download your copy of the four must-haves for a profitable coaching practice today. Karen Davis, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Jaws. We were introduced by a mutual friend. Mark Silverman. Mike Silverman. And Mark has been on my show. I have been on his show. You've been on his show, yes? 
Yes. 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 Great. Do you have a show yet? I like being under the radar. We'll see though. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe I'll have okay. a show. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, it's always nice to have friends introduce friends. And I know a little bit about you. I've, I've visited your website. I've done my my usual due diligence of stocking. And I've read your book, your latest book, which is uh, good. And we are going to talk about that. But for the benefit of the listeners, tell us a little bit about how did you get here? How did you become the great one and only Karen Davis that you are today? So I'll start my journey after I left the corporate, which was 2006. And in 2006, July of 2006, to be specific, I was coming in. It was the day of an acquisition. I had worked for an advertising agency that was being acquired and I um, did not want to sign a seven-year non-compete. And so we didn't come to an agreement that day. And that was my last day, but I had equity in the company. And so it was a good transition for me. And I went into consulting thinking that, okay, consulting will lead to that next position back inside a corporate and I really enjoyed the consulting and the consulting ended up leading to coaching. So by 2007, I was working inside a couple of different organizations, coaching their high potentials. And then in 2008, I founded a company called Engage and I was doing employee engagement workshops for large organizations. So Cisco, HP, working with all their middle management, Pfizer, worked with the US technology group there and just love that work. But what I loved most was the workshops and being in front of the clients, as opposed to all the heavy lifting of creating the relationships and doing the work on the back end. And so uh, what I decided then in 2010 is to go back and to get my certification in coaching. So I'd been coaching prior to certification, went through the ICF program and ICF coaching school. And from there, in 2011, I shut down Engage and just focused 100% on coaching. And that's when in 2012, I discovered The Prosperous Coach. And so The Prosperous Coach was written by Rich Lipton and Steve Chandler. And I became a huge fan of that process. And that's where I met Mark. I think I met Mark in like 2014. And um I hired Rich to Rich Litvin to work with him in 2013, worked with him for about 15 months, and then started working with Steve Chandler and worked with him for five years. And now I'm working with his coach, Steve Hardison. And so, yeah, so that's been my journey. My practice has grown year over year. I love this profession. The profession is great. What we do, Mark and I talk about this a lot, is that we love coaching. We love our clients. We love what coaching can do. We hate the coaching industry. Ah, or the prey on coaches industry. The the uh, okay, there right, you go. The, the industry that's out there selling, and there's basically two sides of it. There's the side that is selling certifications uh-huh. in whatever it might be, and some of them are great, and others are just based on however much money you want to give me. That's what level of certificate. Like there's that side of it. Yes, um, mm-hmm. and there's some great people on that side that teach great um, how to coach, like mm-hmm. some great methodologies, some great tools. Yeah. Uh, but aren't necessarily strong on the how to run a business side. That's right. That's right. No, I went through uh, Newfield, which was, uh, I studied under Julio Alela in ontological coaching, which is metaphysical study of the way of being and uh, love that coaching school. And just as you say, though, there wasn't any kind of how to, how to build your business, except for maybe, you know, the last day they hand out some worksheets and such. And um 
Yeah. So when I found the prosperous coach methodology, I knew like that was, that was perfect, a perfect process for me. Awesome. And it's great. There's, there are a number out there that are, that are solid, but there's a lot of just the industry. Once you get out and you know how to coach, there are so many people out there who are, and we talked about this a little bit uh, briefly before we hit record, the ones who are get your seven, eight, nine figure coaching business, right? And it's all about creating an info product that you can sell for $5,000 and doing a bunch of Facebook ads or Google click, like that industry. So that's, that's the icky part of the industry that Mark and I both don't like a lot. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I love it when there is a coach or there, there are coaches Mm -hmm. that kind of stand against that or if not necessarily stand against it, because like, I'm one of those guys that, okay, I have a, I have an enemy sort of, as it were, there's the, there's who I'm constantly sort of comparing myself against or holding up as the don't do it that way, but you don't have to be that. You can be someone who I feel you're more of the, I'm here, I'm doing my thing. I think this is the right way. And if that resonates with you, then by all means, come along and let's, let's do it that way. Does that, that's all right. Yeah. My, my entire practice is built around relationships. Mm -hmm. So either by meeting people out when I'm out and about in the world and inviting them into an experience of coaching, or it's through referral. So my entire practice over all these years, that's how it's been built. And so in the Prosperous Coach, the methodology is simply to give people an experience of what it is that coaching is. And so by bringing them into that experience and creating impact for them is what makes the difference. And so I think that's really similar. We're saying the same thing, very, very similar. So I'm not out there marketing per se. I don't have a large mailing list or, and as you know, I don't even have a podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) it's totally okay. Um, You do have a website and we'll tell everybody how they can find you on, on that website. You you mentioned something that I wanted to touch on real, real quick. You said that you started consulting and Mm -hmm. then you got into coaching. Yes. And there's a lot of confusion or ambiguity out there in the world. Like what's the difference between a coach, a consultant, a trainer, a mentor, like the different things. So for you, and you, you touch on this a little bit in your, in your book. And again, we'll get into the book, but it's, it's, you know, how to get the most out of coaching a client's guide for optimizing the coaching experience. But in there, you talk a little bit about the difference for you. What is, what was the difference for you going from consulting to coaching? Yeah. So it, when I was consulting, I was going in, I had six clients on retainer Mm -hmm. for a certain amount of hours. And I was going in and I was advising them on how to run their business, how to set up their sales and marketing, how to do all these different things. Mm -hmm. And so they were very reliant upon me, my opinions, and I actually considered it far more heavy lifting than I did coaching because in coaching, you're evoking the own inner wisdom of your client. So in coaching, the premise is that your client has the best answers. And my job as a coach is to evoke those answers and that wisdom from within. So I saw a big distinction between the co- the um, consulting that I was doing and the coaching. Huge, huge distinction. And that's a common one that I hear from most of the folks who've gone the ICF route is it's there is the school of thought that says in coaching, as you said, the client contains the answer. Right or yes. contains the best answer. Um, there are other folks. There's another. There are other schools that are no. We're we're supposed to coach them along the right path. We're more yeah. of a Sherpa slash guide. A guide, um, yeah. And and in the in the 
people will often point towards the athletic coaching uh-huh. model and go the athletic coach. Yeah. The, the athletes they're coaching the body, the physical is there within the athlete, but the drills to do the, um, how to play their position, what to do to build that strength. All of that is the coach. And, and it's that question of, is, is that pulling it out of the, the, the athlete or the coachee, um, or is that guiding and directing them? And so it's, it's, I, it's I, fun to have that conversation, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I believe it's a hybrid of the two. Mm-hmm. And because I specialize in working with business people and executives, and I coach a small group of executive coaches, I'm always teaching with the, with the coaches, I'm teaching, I'm advising, and I'm coaching. And with my executives and my entrepreneurs, there's a lot. I become that central clearinghouse for what works. And so yeah. if I were to hold back, then I'm really not doing my job 100%. And so there'll be times when I use coaching first in terms of evoking their own inner wisdom. And then I'll step back and say, are you open? Would you like some other ideas of what I've seen work? I'm not saying it will work. I'm saying there's a possibility here. And then I'll share the ideas. Now, would I pass an ICF? Um, Could I turn in a recording like that? No, definitely not. And not pass. I wouldn't pass. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It would be called being too leading. Yeah. I've never gone the ICF route. I've lo- I looked into it relatively early on. I've been doing coaching, consulting, training, and counseling for almost 30 years now. Um, so I've looked at all the different types of certifications. When I never, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a therapist. Um, then very quickly learned that, no, I didn't want to be a therapist. Uh, most of my therapist friends chuckle when I say this, but I basically decided that the idea of passively, aggressively manipulating my clients into making choices that I think are better for them just wasn't what I wanted to do. And like I said, most of my therapist friends chuckle at that and go, yeah, that's kind of what we do. But I liked coaching. I, I When I sort of figured out that methodology, and, and like you said, I think it is, I think the best coaches have that hybrid. And I think what keeps them on the side of coaching versus calling it something else is that key that you mentioned and that you mentioned in the book, it's getting permission first. Yes. Yes. It's it's not just, this is how you do it. No, always getting permission. And I always lead with coaching. So I always first uh, evoke, ask questions and to evoke their own inner wisdom. So, and let's, I think that's probably a good jumping off point. So if coaching is primarily, if we're going to lead with coaching with the idea of evoking the inner wisdom of the client or asking the questions you mentioned in the book that I, one of the things that I liked is the difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? Knowledge being an obsession with answers and wisdom being an obsession with questions. Yes. That's a quote from Julio Alela. If that's the case, as coaches, we're sort of, we're trying to ask the right questions to help to, the answer isn't necessarily as important to us as it might be for the client. How does that work with the concept of coaching success, or I'll use air quotes around the word failure, is the client's responsibility or is on the client? Like, where do you stand in how much, how much of, a, of coaching's success or perceived lack thereof lies with the client? I would say that it's two people that are in relationship. I own a hundred percent of what my responsibility is as the coach and the client, they own hundred percent of what their responsibility is as the client. And so having that be ultra clear between the coach and the client, what my role is versus what their role is, is the premise of the book, right? On how to get the most out of coaching. And so that's where um, I really felt like that was what was missing from the coaching space. There's so many books that are written for coaches and none for the clients. And so 
what we want to create is this ability for our clients not to come in cold to an experience if they've never been coached before. So I, you've probably coached people who have never been coached before. I know I have, and it takes a while to educate them and to really help them understand what their roles and responsibilities are to the coaching experience. I'm sure you've had people come in and say, okay, Jaws, save the day. <laughs> yes. Yes. Especially when I was doing relationship coaching. That- That's right. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to work with you. I'm going to pay you all this money. You're going to get things fixed, right? Yeah. 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 Our relationship sucks. You'll fix it. Um, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or what kind of results can I expect yeah. from coaching? Right. Yeah. Do you have any guarantees? Yeah. What kind of guarantees do you have? Right. So all those questions come up and that's what we're looking at answering. So I, and I, I want to get more into the book, but this has brought up another question in my mind. So because the coaching industry is pretty much utterly and entirely unregulated, it's, it's the wild west. Anybody can call themselves a coach using whatever methodology they want or none, any certification they want or none. That is, I think, one of the things that has contributed to why so many people that we talked to are like, well, I've never had a coach before. I don't know what coaching really is, or I think this is what coaching is. And it's it may be way out of line with what you think it is or maybe a different coach did it differently, whatever it is, right? We have, so there's all this confusion about how as a client you show up or should be showing up to get the best out of coaching. Do you think that coaching as an industry needs or would benefit from some level of top-down intervention, whether that be regulation or standardized certification or... Whoa, that's a loaded question. <laughs> yes. I mean, pers- personally, because I've been coaching since for all these years, since 2007. And so right around, I think, 2011, 2012, we started to see a huge influx of coaches that I do believe that it's important. And and that's why I do praise organizations like the International Coaching Federation, because they are attempting to bring some standards to the to this industry. Every other profession, uh, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor or you know, a therapist, right? They all have organizations that um, are regulating the uh, practices. I take a different tack on it, but it's okay. I understand. I I see. Both oh, I'm really sides. curious. Um, <laughs> reversal here. So, so if we go back, so, and where I, where a lot of this comes from for me is you mentioned 2011, 2012, we saw this massive influx of coaching. Coaching started to become more popular. As I like to say, that is about the time that coaching replaced consulting as the code word for, I don't have a job right now. Yeah. Right. Also the reason, well, not the reason, but a reason, a contributing factor to that was that was also the time that the books came out. I think there, there were two of them. And now I cannot for the life of me, remember either one of them that basically told the dirty, dark secrets of the consulting industry, Uh like the big high-end consulting industry. And that one of them was made into a TV series on HBO, I think with Don Cheadle. And it was basically about the whole concept of bringing in these experts and they find the problems and get their hooks into another company and keep them on the hook for a long time. So so consulting became this big, dirty thing. So I was like, oh, I'm not a consultant, I'm a coach. Um, So that was part of it. And I think that was somewhat problematic. But when we talk about top-down regulation of things, and it's oftentimes that many people who are like, yes, we need to have top-down regulation of the coaching industry. I think we need to have organizations that standardize things and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, I'm open to that conversation. 
occasion, mm -hmm. but they'll often point to, as an example, doctors. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you actually look at the history of the AMA, the American Medical Association, which was that first organization built to determine who could be a doctor, who couldn't be a doctor, what the standards were and, and whatnot. The actual origin of that organization was to shut down the competition of the six major uh, medical schools in the United States. And, and so when you look at that, typically top-down organizations like that, that's, that's where they're coming from. Not the people who start it necessarily. Um, there are folks who have great intentions and I fully, I'm fully on board with you on the idea that it would be really nice if we could not necessarily protect clients because I think that self-protection is, is kind of a thing. Self -respons personal responsibility is one of my core values. Make sure that everyone's speaking the same language. I would love for that to be yeah. the case, but I don't yeah. know if that's a regulatory or yeah. if that's a joint agreement of this is the language we all want to speak. Now, that being said, there's always going to be someone who will try to take advantage of, of anything. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's a fascinating conversation. I don't know what the right answer is. I have an instinctive, you know, being born in Oregon, mostly Irish descent and grew up in Alaska. I've got a pretty strong rebellious streak. Uh, so when, when we talk about regulating, I kind of like, mm, I'm not sure that's the right answer, but I, I, I totally understand that instinct to move that direction and, and the positive. Yeah. To some standardization. Yeah. I think, you know, the other thing is that I think it was a report that came out in 2010, 2011, that, you know, 80% of coaches make 20,000 or, or less. Yeah. And so we also want to look at the natural, you know, progression, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Darwin, <laughs> the yep. survival of the fittest. Yep. And so I'm sure that, you know, over time that, the coaches who are doing a great job will rise and those who are not de as devoted mm -hmm. uh, or skilled will move on into other professions. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually, it's funny that we go that way because um, did not intend to do this, but profit for coach. That's why, why I started profit for coaches was what I saw throughout my career. I mean, the profit for coaches brand is not very old. It's a little over a year now. Uh -huh. Um, but for a good chunk of my career, I've worked with other coaches, helped them out, done masterminds, things like that. And what I've seen over and over again is the good coaches, like in almost any service-based business, the people who are really good at getting the results with clients typically are not good business owners. They're technicians in the words of Gerber, like in, in the e-myth, he talks about your technicians, um, your entrepreneurs, and your managers, right? Most of them are great technicians. They're really good at the job. If you put a client in front of them, boom, they're going to knock it out of the park. But running the business and staying in business, doing it is tough for them. And so a lot of really good coaches go out of business in that first 12 to 18 months. Yeah. Or they never go fully into business. They're always doing it as they have their job. And this is the side gig that they That's do right. for a couple hundred bucks and whatever, right? Um, and part of my goal in all of this is to help those people actually build a practice where they can earn a good living, mm -hmm. helping the people that they're meant to serve. Because I think that the challenges, and I came like I came into actual coaching through the business coaching route, and I saw this particular business coaching system of this client of this other coach that I worked with. About seventy percent of people, business owners, if they took what was in this system and read through it and applied it, they'd see some sort of positive result. But when you added in the actual coaches themselves, the way they were trained, the way they brought in the types of personalities this particular franchise brought on board, that 70% dropped to about 50, 55%. Fascinating. Because most of the people that you brought in weren't actually good coaches. They were, they were decent business people who saw a franchise model that would work mm -hmm. and jumped on it and started running it. So I actually feel 
like to a certain extent, the good coaches haven't been rising to the top. It's the decent business people with that sort of system that will get, will get positive results for most people. Uh-huh. What's the most successful hamburger restaurant franchise in the world? It's McDonald's arguably, right? That's usually that's the first answer people will go to. Do they make the best hamburgers? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> right. Um, generally it's accepted. They don't make the best, highest quality hamburgers in the world. Um, <laughs> and if you don't eat hamburgers, that's fine. Uh, they don't make the best salads either. Um, but they're as a model, they're great from a business perspective. Yeah. Um, not very many McDonald's go out of business. So, but anyway, that's a, that's way aside, but it's, for me, it's a, it's a fantastic or, or fantastically interesting conversation. So I'm sorry for uh, going too far down that particular rabbit hole, but it brings us back to the book. And I think this is a strong answer or a strong step down the road to how do we get that everyone speaking the same language, yes. having similar expectations mm-hmm. without having to do impose some sort of regulation or, or top-down yeah. Um, because this is, if, if everyone were to read this book, I think if every person, cause this is the only one I've ever seen and I'm holding it up. You guys can't see it. I'm holding up the, uh, the book, but I think this is the first book I've ever seen written to the client yes. to say, listen, you're investing money in coaching. You're investing money. You're investing time and you're investing energy. The three, three primary resources that we have that are well, money is money and energy aren't limitless time. We don't, it is, is limited. We don't know how much we got. Um, but those are the three pretty much most important resources that people have. They're mm-hmm. investing that in coaching. Let's make sure mm-hmm. that we're give, we're putting you in the best possible place to get the best possible ROI. That's right. That investment. That's so, right. so you wrote this book, with Alex. Yes. You want to talk a little bit about, about Alex? Sure. 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 So, uh, Alex is my life partner and what that means life partner is we wake up every day and we make a choice to be with each other. And Alex spent 14 years in a Zen Buddhist monastery as a monk. And I met him back in, uh, let me see now it was 2014 when I met him, he had been two, three years out of the monastery and he used to do guidance appointments in the monastery. So he ran the small business. He was the chef. He was, he had all these different hats over the years in the monastery. And so one of the things that he did was guidance appointments with people who would uh, reach out to the monastery for help. And the guidance appointments were so similar to coaching that when he left the monastery, he knew that coaching was going to be his path. And I met him in a class that Steve Chandler was teaching at the time, the advanced client systems. And uh, so that's where we met and we've been together now seven years. And Alex was the one who had actually come up with this idea. Uh, We were on a walk one morning and he said to me, he said, you know, I want to create an ebook for my clients so that when they come to coaching, they know what to expect. And it just stopped me in my tracks, Jaws. And I was like, hold on, that's brilliant. Why why has no one thought of this? I know that (laughs) book doesn't exist. (laughs) we have to write it. And he's written seven books and I've co-authored two other books before this one. And we both know it goes into writing a book. And so we're a little bit hesitant to (laughs) embark on it, especially, you know, we live under the same roof. And uh, so right before COVID, we, um, we were at the coffee shop and we were outlining the book and I had be, started talking with coaches about the book. And I started talking with my clients about the book and we just 
COVID hit, what, March of uh, 2020, and we were like, hey, we're in lockdown. Let's do it. Let's write the book. And so that was how the book was birthed. And uh, we started putting it together. And each, each chapter, I can tell you, I've read, I don't even know how many times, over and over and over again. And so I was working with Steve Chandler was my coach at the time. And he um, read the book when we had our, we were close to our final draft. He loved it. He's like, do it. You have to do it. And I'll tell you the hardest thing, Jaws, about writing this book was putting myself in the position of the client. I've been being coached since 2007 consistently, but I kept coming at it from the coach's perspective. Yes. And that that didn't work. I had to be in the seat of the client yeah. and put the work together. And that's good. And I think that's very important. And it's, and it's funny because when Mark first pointed me to the book, he said, this book is cool. And I think you should talk to Karen. I think you guys would get along. I was like, okay. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, really? No one has done this before. Like I, I, I saw the book and went, oh, this is cool. This makes total sense. Wait a minute. Is this the, is this the first book that I have seen that does? This is the first book. It blew my mind. Like logically it was like, yeah, Duh, you would you would want something like this. You want to be able to set expectations with clients and for them to be able to set expectations with you. And I'm like, I have a bunch of tools that I have used over the years was when I onboard a client. I'm like, okay, here's the like seven documents that I want you to fill out that that cover some of the stuff that's in here, but never actually just sort of sat down and gone, here's how to make sure you get the best out of your experience. Yeah. Out of your experience. Because like as as you say, as a coach, we get really stuck at work from our point of view. And we like I often call it the expert's curse, mm-hmm. right? Because we we're used to being the expert. We're used to, we know, as we, somebody starts talking to us about a problem, often we have to work really hard to go, oh, you're another, to not go, oh, you're another one of those. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. I know your problem. Stop talking. Let's work on solving it. Um, but we, we also can get blind to the basics and how important the basics are because for us, they're just like breathing. It's part of, it's part of what we do. So having a spot, taking that time, being intentional about laying out, yeah. did I just say intentionable? <laughs> intentional about laying out. These are the table stakes. That's right. That's right. It's, it's amazing, but also utterly predictable that no one has done this up until now. Yeah. Yeah. I've searched the internet wide and far and Amazon, all the different bookstores, and there's nothing out there like it. And so, and you know, the great thing about this book is it's a great book for coaches Mm -hmm. to not only read the book so they can get the most out of their own coaching, but also to read it from the perspective of, oh, you know, if a client were to read this and come into a session, they're going to be asking about agreements. You know, do you have agreements in your practice? They're going to want to do a roadmap. Do you know what a roadmap is? They're going to want to, you know, they might come in with the coachability worksheet, their assessment on coach on how coachable they are. Mm-hmm. And you'll you're going to want to know what are those eight coachability traits and, and, and what does it mean when, yeah, and what does when they mean? rate themselves a four? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. So that's why it's a great book. It's a great book for coaches and it's a great book for their clients. So their clients are not coming in cold to an experience. And I also have coaches. There is an interesting story of a client was reading our book at not, not a, not a client of mine, a coach was reading a book, mm-hmm. one of our books at the airport and ended up meeting a potential client who then became his client who now has the book because he went and bought, he bought 20 books. Mm -hmm. He could share them with all of his potential clients and clients. Yeah. When I read through it, I I managed to finish it. I I finished it today. Um, It's just been one of those weeks. It's not a hard read. 
It's 136 pages, I think. Yeah, 146, I, I think. Yeah, yeah super easy to read. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's an easy read, but at the same time, there's also you could you could read it in two three hours, or you could take weeks of as a coach sitting down and actually doing this work yourself to go. What would the client be going through? How does this? I mean, I don't think it would take weeks, um, but you could invest some good time and, like you say, understand this is where the client is going to be coming from. Yeah. Am I prepared to answer these questions, or how would I? How is this going to affect how I would coach a client? Right. Um, Exactly. There are a lot of quotes in the book and you've got some footnotes and, and some things that are, that are nice, but it seems like a good portion of this was your personal experience or yours and Alex's yeah. personal experiences. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of it. I think a lot of the stories were my personal experience and working with my clients, a lot of client stories in there. What led you to make a decision about this would be the, you know, this story I think fits where did you start with, here's the principle that I think matters here? And what's a story that I can think of from my past that would fit here? Or was it, you know, this thing that has happened numerous times, I think we need to address it. Or was it some combination? Like, how did you get to what goes in here? It was a, it was a combination of, okay, here's some things that we know go in here. I also went out and I interviewed several of my clients and colleagues, and I talked to coaching colleagues as to if the, if this book were, were existed, what would you want to see in it? And so I also gathered feedback as well. But most of the stories um, were based upon, okay, here's the principle that we want to teach. Now, what story from my past and working with my clients would be most appropriate to drive home this mm-hmm. this principle. Cool. And you've said, I think all the names are changed to protect the guilty. Yes. Or, okay. Yes. Although some of my clients recognize themselves. <laughs> <laughs> my clients are great though. One, mm-hmm. one of them said, he said, hey, if my failure would help any potential client, I'm all for it. So I'm like, okay, good. I'm so happy you feel that way. Okay. So I normally will ask someone on the show, what is a tool in the toolbox, a key tool that you think a coach should have, or a key skill set that you think a coach could have. I'm going to ask you a slightly, a, a variant of that with this in how would you as a coach or in advising a coach suggest working this book and, or your coachability assessment into a coach's onboarding process? Yes. So I would advise them the same way that I'm using the book. Okay. So anytime I'm in conversations with someone and I'm bringing them into an experience of coaching, I make sure before they come into the experience of coaching that they have a copy of the Mm -hmm. book and that they've read the book. So just like when the other thing I do is I send them five questions to answer And I ask them to take some time, answer those questions prior to showing up to this set, this initial session, I would also include the book and have them read the book. Like you said, it's only like a two or three hour read. We Mm -hmm. purposefully made it very um, unintimidating for people to be able to pick it up and read it quickly. I I like the pacing. I was reading through it and I realized, okay, I'm on, I'm on page like 60 something. I looked at my watch. Like, I've only been reading for like my usual, my usual reading pace is like a page a minute. And I'm like, no, I can, I'm almost double that with this. So it was, it's good. It's easy. It's an easy read. Yeah. Um, 
I did have that. That was a question I was going to ask is a concern might be you give a book to a client, say, before we can get started, you need to read this. What are the odds that you're ever going to see that client again? Like, because they have, I'm overstating, but you know, they say when you, people who buy self-help books or books to help uh, business or self-help books, 10% of the people who buy it will actually finish it. And of them, only 10% will actually apply it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're using the book as a precursor to, you need to finish the book and then we can have our first session. Are we losing clients? Should we be losing those those clients or are we not? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. So one of the coachability traits that we talk about in the book is having a bias for action, being action oriented. And so I always want to create an obstacle course for my clients before they come into coaching. I want to be sure that they're all in, they're hundred percent committed. And so I'll ask them, I'll say, Hey, okay, let's put you out on my calendar a couple of weeks in that amount of time. Would you have the opportunity to be able to read this book? And so I'll listen. And if I can create a strong agreement with them around they're all in and yes, they'll read this book. I'm going to have a great coaching session with them. That'll create a huge impact. And they're my ideal client. Excellent. Okay. Well, at this time, normally I would ask, what are you most excited about right now? I think I know the answer, but I'll ask you, what are you most excited about right now, Karen? Right now, I'm most excited about this book. Uh, it's mm -hmm. truly my footprint in the sand. It's my legacy for the coaching profession. And I believe that it's going to up-level the coaching profession. And for coaches, it's going to result in more renewals and bigger impact with their clients because their clients are going to be able to come in much smarter into the experience and know how to get the most out of it. Awesome. Well, that's cool. So where can people get the book? It's on Amazon. And then we also released through Ingram Micro, in, sorry, Ingram um, Spark. And so it's everywhere. Pretty much any online bookstore, you should be able to look it up and you'll find the, the book. Can we get it on your website? Uh, you can't get it on my website, but you can get the link. And if people are interested in bulk purchases, they should reach out to me directly. I, I do have several coaches in particular reaching out and buying 20 at a time. So, okay. Excellent. Yeah. But like 14, like 15 bucks is not a huge commitment to read the book. But if someone is just like, okay, this is cool. You've been talking about this book. Can I sample it a little bit? Is it, can I find some of it somewhere other than just finding you on 20 different podcasts and listening? Is there a way that I can taste test the book? Yes. Yeah, so there's a sample chapter. That okay. you go to my website and then slash book, you'll see a sample chapter there. We also have a couple of downloadable free tools that you could use that are associated with the book. Okay. Excellent. So that, so when you say your website, that is, I believe, karendaviscoaching.com slash book, right? That's yep. where- That's it. That's where okay. we'll find those free resources in the sample chapter. Okay. We will definitely put that in the show notes. And just to let everyone know, so the, the book, the title of the book is How to Get the Most Out of Coaching. A Client's Guide for Optimizing the Coaching Experience by Karen Davis and Alex Mill. Again, you can find it karendaviscoaching.com slash book. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes. I read it. I've loved it. I've taken some notes. There's some things that I will probably be putting, working into my own process with my clients. So well done. Mission successful. I don't know how I said Mission accomplished. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Mission accomplished at least uh, where I'm concerned. And I think that, yeah, I think getting this book into the hands of as many people as possible yeah. is a good idea. Yeah. Um, and not just because I think it'll, it'll make you some money. And I, I think there's some good ideas in this book that people need to at least hear, yeah. chew on and consider. And whether a coach decides that they want to implement it in their practice or not, I think almost every coach, there's something in here that they could take and apply. And I think any coach 
who has a client come to them that has read this is going to be better off. Even if that client isn't a fit for them, I think it's going to, if nothing else, it will help them just determine very quickly that that client's not a fit for them. That's right. Um, so from me, not that it means a whole lot, but well done. Thank and you. thanks for being here and talking about it. Thank you, Joss. I so appreciate this. Glad to have you here. Um, maybe we'll get you and Alex back someday. That'd be great. Talk That's about the second edition. Yes. Thanks so much. That's it for this episode of Profit for Coaches. I've been your host, Joss Withard. To make sure you never miss a new episode, go to ProfitForCoaches.com to subscribe now. You'll also find all the show notes, resources, guides, links, freebies, and other goodies that we mentioned on the show. Plus, we've got some special bonuses there just for our subscribers. So to make sure you profit fully from this and each new episode of Profit for Coaches, go to ProfitForCoaches.com now.